Christianity seems more divided than ever. Whether it's theology, politics, church practices, it just doesn't feel like Christians can get on the same page. That is, unless your name is Doug Wilson, James White, John MacArthur, and so many others. So all of these men from seemingly very different theological camps have come together to sign this one particular document. Now, you got to be wondering, what's in that document? What's in the box? What could they possibly all have in common? Well, today we're going to be looking for that answer as we dive through the Frankfurt Declaration. And that answer might not be what you're thinking. My name is Dean and welcome to Theo Live, a live YouTube show airing every Monday where we talk about theology, church, and culture. Now let's get into it. Hey, welcome to Theo Live, episode number 47. Today we are diving through, as I said, the Frankfurt Declaration. No, we're not debating which hot dog is best, okay? Some of you guys keep on making the jokes on Twitter, and it was funny once, guys. One time. Not the eighth time. Uh, there's lots of, like I just did the joke. I don't know why I'm belittling you guys. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, before we get going too far into this thing, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Go out on a limb with me, okay? Um, because I know that this is going to be a conversation that will have a lot of people tuning in. And, you know, this is just kind of how I roll. Like the video, guys. Hit the like button before we move on to like really diving into this document. We, I've, I couldn't find my Apple Pencil, so we're not marking it up, but I'll show you. And I have my own. We went analog today, guys. Uh, so I've got my notes all prepared. But before we get into it, hit the like button. Also, while I'm thinking of it, hey, Theo Live is turning a whole year old next week. One whole year I've been doing this show basically every Monday. Now, if you're like, wait, 47, episode 47, you missed some time. Well, I missed some time when my mom died and had a couple weeks off. So it's been a whole year though, next, uh, next Monday. So pretty excited about that. I have some announcements that are going to change your life. No, it's not going to change your life, but it is going to change a little bit of the channel next week. So be, be on the lookout for all that stuff. Uh, I do want to say hello to a few people before we get going. I always like, like, this is the thing Mondays, they're going to be long streams. I'm trying to do more streaming throughout the week, but Mondays are long streams because we interact on this show. We have interaction. Okay. It's not just, you know, hang out for another stream after, although, you know, I've been doing that lately. I did that last week, uh, but Robert's here and he says, it's all good, Dean. Cause I was saying like, give me two minutes. Uh, I had some tech issues that were going on. Uh, Jeremy's here. He knows all about that kind of stuff. Still looking for the Apple pencil. I hope not. No, I'm not looking for it because I couldn't find it at all. This like entire weekend it's gone. Someone, someone took it. I don't know. Like someone broke into my house and they took that. Uh, Sean's here says new background. Nice. Yes. Uh, I was, I wasn't going to say anything because I've, well, I change it all the time and I don't know. I like it a little bit better. It's a little bit more like I could change it up every week with colors. Hey, maybe that'll make me stop. It probably won't. Megan's here and she's just celebrating, just celebrating because today we're talking about what I am assuming her favorite document of all time with the Frankfurt declaration. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that Frankfurt Declaration. This is a completely different one. I don't know why they named it this, 
to like, it's confusing. There are other ones throughout history. Okay. Um, but they did. Sean, we need to chip in and buy Dean a few Apple pencils. So when he loses one, he has another, as long as he doesn't lose the extra two. That's the thing. Like we're just, we're just going to compound our mistakes <laughs> and there's just going to be, I'm going to come at you guys in like four months and be like, guys, all nine of the Apple pencils have gone missing, <laughs> but I appreciate it. But there will be next week. Come to Theo live. We're going to be talking about some ways you could help me make this channel better. Okay. We're going to open it up. I'm doing some stuff that I said I would not do until I hit a certain mark. And while I haven't hit that mark, we're still going to do it. <laughs> But Robert, uh, like the new background, I appreciate it. Proverbs 1711. Hey, Dean, go get them. Uh, I ain't here to get anybody. All right. I am here to look at a document. And unfortunately, spoilers, it ain't good. <laughs> like, all right. Let me, let me, let me, let me start talking about this thing. Let's go over here to the looking at it. Um, when I first saw this, I saw it because, you know, the signers. I guess uh, we could we could look at that. We can go over here and look at the signers, as you saw in the intro. Uh, we've got a lot of names that people know. You know, like we we've got uh, the the guy for G three who is always tweeting all kinds of things. Uh, Vody Bauckham is there. Everybody knows him. A lot of people do. Uh, Tom Buck is a pastor that a lot of people know. Uh, more could be said. Uh, Dr. Joe Boot, uh, Josh Bice, uh, we got James Coates, Jeff Durbin. Uh, if you just look through this, you got so many names that you recognize. Phil Johnson, uh, Jared Longshore, John MacArthur. Uh, you got uh, lots of people even here in Canada that people know. Um, you have Joel Webin from Right Response Ministries, and you have Dr. James White and Doug Wilson. And that is concerning. <laughs> like, all right, if you if you have followed these people's ministries over the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of rhetoric come out of that side of the camp. And uh, well, I'll just be honest, it hasn't been great, okay? As someone who comes from a different perspective, especially when it comes to the lockdowns, things I talked about last week, um, you know, not a fan of some of the rhetoric that's been coming out and saying that people who did, uh, you know, listen to the government, that they are apostate. That's been an accusation, uh, as I talked about last week. So when I saw that, I was like, oh no, these guys got together, uh, and came up with a statement again. And it's a slightly different crew, but I was thinking it was like the statement on social justice. That's what I was assuming this thing was. This ain't even close to that. Okay, uh, this this document is interesting in how it came together, because usually when you're talking about initial signers, you're talking about the people who got together in a room, like with the statement on social justice uh, that was in Dallas, I believe, and they all got together and it was at somebody's house or, you know, some retreat or something. And they came up with this document. That's usually how things go. And like they take a picture and maybe, you know, promotional video and put up a new website and like they do all the things right. Uh, this document is not that we did not have John MacArthur. Vody Bauckham, James White, Doug Wilson, all getting together uh, in one central location. I assumed uh, that that's what it was. It is not that. 
Actually, what this document is, is a document written by three pastors. And I do believe that they sent it off to have a few uh, different people adding different things into the document. Um, but it is not as big as you would imagine for like something like this. When you come out with like a declaration or a statement, uh, usually you are talking about an ecumenical statement. You know, for, for a lot of us, we automatically go to the creeds, right? The confessions, the history of Christianity, these documents that, that bind us together and separate us from false teaching and heresy. Uh, this is the statement is not that. Uh, this is a document that is written by three pastors. And the only reason, uh, after looking through the document, we're going to look through the document. We're going to spend a lot of time looking through the document. Let me know in the chat if you're here or in the comments whether you've read this thing or not uh, before we get too far into this thing. I'd be interested to know whether you've read through it and maybe some of your conclusions. We'll, we'll deal with that as we go through. Um, but this is not a statement from John MacArthur. This is not a statement from Phil Johnson. Uh, this is not a statement of all of them coming together. Uh, I assume that it was, but it was a pastor uh, in Frankfurt, uh, in Germany, uh, who was the main person who was writing this. And I believe that it was being like uh, at least the beginning stages of it being written uh, were in like 2020, like right like the pandemic was really getting into full swing and maybe toward 2021, they started really working on this document and it was him, another pastor in, uh, um, in great Britain and another pastor in, um, in Africa, I believe I could be wrong, but, uh, I watched a video and it seemed like that those three pastors were the main people who came up with this declaration. Now, why do you, why, why is that important? Well, like the ecumenical statements, usually when you're talking about something like this and it has a bunch of signatories and they're asking you as a Christian to sign this document, uh, and don't you do it. Jeremy, you sent me messages saying like, <laughs> I'm going to sign up for Dean. I didn't sign that document, okay? If you see my name, it's not because I did it. Now, don't go, don't go and do it, guys. It's not, it's not a fun prank, okay? <laughs> but they want you to sign this document, and usually that's because a huge group of Christians have, have put a lot of influence into a document, and it's something that is going to combat heresy. It's going to combat uh, some major false teaching within Christendom. And it's a statement of saying, we're on this side. And this isn't quite that. Because we don't have the, the influence of all of these pastors within this document. Now, we do have their influence through them signing, which to me is very different. It is not the exact same thing. But I believe that they have said that they agree with this document by signing it. And those who would then sign it would, would also affirm the same. So there is some kind of... Uh, weight that's being thrown around with these names being attached to this thing is why we're talking about it. If it was just, uh, you know, some pastor that I've never heard of, uh, in Frankfurt, Germany, coming up with this document and putting it online, we wouldn't be talking about it. But because John MacArthur, because Doug Wilson, because James White, because all of these people who we've been talking about on this show for a long time now, uh, who we've been talking about this new idea of fundamentalism, They've come together and they've affirmed these things. Uh, so to me, it is important. We need to understand what are they affirming? 
what's in the box, right? <laughs> like that's, that's what I put in, in the intro. What's in this box of the Frankfurt Declaration that everyone would be in agreement with it? But uh, like I said, big difference between agreement and actually writing the thing. So I just want to make that distinction before we move on. Um, but let's start diving through this thing. And like I said, let me know if you've read this thing. And please, please, for the love of everything that is holy in this world, do not sign it for me. <laughs> me saying it so much is going to make you guys want to do it. All right. So we're going to read uh, the intro. And I'm going to be, we're, we're basically going to we're going to exegete this thing, okay? <laughs> That's what I do. I'm an expositor. So we're going to go through this, not word by word, but we're going to pick out some things and we're going to look at it together. All right, so the Frankfurt Declaration. In the course of human events, it sometimes becomes necessary for people of good faith to speak out against the abuse of power. This should be done out only after serious and prayerful deliberation, and even then in an attitude of humility and with respect for the authorities that have been established by God. Such protests should be expressed in the hope that civil authorities who are found to be eroding rights and liberties may yet fulfill their responsibility as their rightful Guardians, a few concerned pastors from different continents moved by an emergent totalitarianism of the state over all realms of society, and particularly the church and the disregard of God-given and constitutionally guaranteed rights during the COVID crisis, joined in common cause to craft a solemn declaration which seeks to address these threats with the timeless truths of God's word. The following affirmations and denials derived from biblical principles we put forth for consideration by all Christians. That's why we're here, okay? I have a right. Some of you guys who, who like to say things, I have a right to look at this document. All right, it says for consideration by all Christians. I'm a Christian. So I'm going to consider it. Uh, consideration by all Christians and relevant authorities in the hope that this document will give light and strength for faithful witness to Jesus Christ in our day. All right, so this is the preamble, if you will. Uh, and so let's start talking about this thing. Because the first thing that really popped out to me was this first sentence. In the course of human events, it sometimes becomes necessary for people of good faith, uh, as opposed to bad faith, I guess. <laughs> Uh, to speak out against the abuse of power. Now, when I read that, my question is always when. Like, why and when, right? Like, why this abuse of power and not others? I think it's a fair question to ask. This actually doesn't answer it. Now, again, this is just an intro. Okay, so I want to be I want to be fair. So they're setting up some things that are going to be in this document. But right off the bat, they they're saying that this is now necessary for us these people of good faith to speak out against the abuse of power. And my question would be why? Why is it necessary now? And if there, you know, if there is an abuse of power, which is like let's not just assume that that's right, but if there is an abuse of power, are there others? And why not speak out then? What's what's different now to be able to come out with this declaration and say, well, we must speak out now. Um, you know, because a lot of these guys who signed this document, 
they definitely didn't want to speak out when it was different kinds of injustices. And I'll put it like that. And all of you guys who are like the CRT hounds are going to come at me. That's fine. Um, but they didn't want to talk about politics then. But they definitely want to talk about politics now. This document, I would argue, is not a theological document. There's not a lot of theology. You will see scripture verses. Uh, but as, as I'm going to show just a couple times, I don't want to get into the weeds on every verse that people attach to things. There's not a lot of actual scripture in this. Uh, and even the scripture verses that they do have, you could see it. Um, you can see it there, right? Like they have all these scripture verses underneath every section. Uh, I don't see the connection. Now, you know, maybe that's my bias. You could say that. Um, but when I look at these scripture passages, which I did every single scripture passage that was in this, uh, I didn't see a lot of connections between what was said in the statement with scripture verses. It basically seemed like, hey, this has a word that, uh, you know, is in the statement, like, or in this, in this paragraph. So let's put in the scripture verse. I, it didn't feel like reasonings. And that's usually what this is supposed to be is like, Here's the scripture verses. Like, let me let me let me stop and and say this, okay? Usually, when you have a statement like this, it's affirmations and denials, which we're going to see. That's that's here, but usually the affirmations are based on scripture, and they're saying, "Hey, this scripture teaches this," and they might not have that scripture specifically in the text, but it's like almost like a uh, like a paraphrase. Like, uh, this is what scripture says. And based off of that, then you have a denial. This is not that. All right. This is, I affirm this political idea, the, this social construct. And then because of that, I deny these things. Now you're going to see some scriptural words in here. I'm not saying like they, they didn't throw in any Bible, but it seems very, I don't know, just untethered, I guess, from scripture. Okay. Uh, and probably the word that I would use to best define this statement is untethered. Uh, I think it's untethered from the Bible. I think it's untethered from what has actually been happening. And it sounds like someone who has lived in an echo chamber for a long time. And I don't mean this to be rude. We all have our biases. We come from different backgrounds. We, we all have our bubbles, right? So it's really important for us to be able to hear from other people. And this doesn't sound like someone who's heard from a different camp or a different perspective. This is like someone who's in an echo chamber speaking to other people who are also in that echo, echo chamber. That's my, it's my YouTube channel, all right? That's, that's, that's my uh, perspective on this. So my question right off the bat would be why, when is it necessary? When is it not necessary? Because there are definitely instances where there were opportunities, and I'll say it like that. I'm not saying that they should have, uh, but there were opportunities for pastors like this, pastors who signed this document to speak out against different abuses of power, what makes this one so unique that you need to? That, that would be my question. Will I get an answer? Probably not. I'm going to ask a lot of probably rhetorical questions, and I don't mean them to be rhetorical. It's just probably I'm never going to get an answer, and if I do, it'll probably be in the form of a YouTube video trying to hit me. So, whatever. All right, this should be done after serious and prayerful deliberation, and even in an attitude of humility. I got to stop there and say, at least from what I've seen online from some of these guys, I don't know if I could 
<laughs> like define the attitude as humble. Like uh, I'm talking about the signers, okay? I'm not talking about the writers because I don't know them. Like the, like I said, if it wasn't for these signers, I don't think we'd be talking about this. Um, so I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people who signed the document and all the the public ministry that they have. And you know, here on YouTube, uh, podcasts, books, platforms, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And um, got to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of humility uh, from that. So. I don't know about that. Uh, in an attitude of humility and with respect for the authorities, um, I mean, I could I could pull up tweets if if we were doing that, <laughs> like if we were really doing that, I could pull up tweets about some of the signers and like not even just here in Canada but in the U.S. and things that they said about our prime minister. I don't think that's an attitude of humility and with respect for the authorities. Um, but that's just me, uh, that have been established by God. Such protests should be expressed in the hope that civil authorities who are found to be eroding rights and liberties may yet fulfill their responsibility as their rightful guardian. So I do appreciate this part, um, because it is not just like throw everything out, which is some of the rhetoric that I've heard, you know, like, uh, up here, we had all kinds of different protests going on and it very much seemed like throw everybody out. And so I do appreciate uh, this opportunity for redemption, it seems. Like, even from their perspective, I'm not saying I agree with their perspective when it comes to the government and how they've uh, acted, um, but I do appreciate that they're allowing for some form uh, of redemption, saying that they can yet fulfill their responsibility as their rightful guardians. Uh, and then getting into, like, a, a little bit of the second paragraph, uh, an emergent totalitarianism. Um, this is a word that gets thrown out a lot, and I'm not sure if we fully understand what that means. Um, if you want to know what that means, look at Nazi Germany. Like, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I just said the word. YouTube's going to be so mad at me. Oh, well. Um, but that doesn't give you the right to use it either. Okay. I'm just saying, look at the third Reich and look how they, uh, establish their government. That's totalitarianism. Uh, is that what we see happening in the world? This, uh, this idea of emergent totalitarianism, um, you know, that that's a political statement and I'm not going to answer it, but for me, I would very much question that. And uh, totalitarianism of the state over all realms of society, and particularly the church and the disregard of God-given and constitutionally guaranteed rights during the COVID crisis. Um, this seems very odd from, for me when I'm looking through this. Um, like the, the constitutionally guaranteed rights. Like I... I don't know Germany. Uh, I don't know Africa. I don't know Great Britain and their their legal system. But this just screams American to me. Um, and nothing against Americans. I am one, so don't get mad at me. Uh, but, uh, like, I thought we were talking about theology. That's, that's it. That's, like, my main thing with this document. It's just, like, I thought we were talking about 
theology? Why are we talking about the Constitution and our various Constitution? Because you got to ask, like, which Constitution? Because we all live in different places, right? And those, that, those Constitutions uh, don't have the exact same stuff in them, right? They don't have the exact same protections. Uh, so mm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and, and again, this is for consideration of all of us. So that's just the intro. All right. We're, we're going to get into article one here in a minute, but let's see what you guys are saying here in the chat. If you are watching once again, I will say it. Uh, I see that there are, uh, there was 40 people watching here. Uh, so hit the like button. Uh, if you like this kind of content, I do this kind of stuff every Monday. Think about subscribing to the channel. Um, you know, and like I said, you could you could take back the like later if you're like, oh, he said something I didn't like. That's fine. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I did ask if you guys had read it. And uh, Jeremy said, I thought you signed it too, Dean. Definitely didn't. Don't do it. Uh, the Vatican at GCC puts out a lot of statements. Uh, I wouldn't call it a Vatican. Uh, let's not let's not get into like name calling and stuff like that. Um, uh, Sean, I have read it confusing a bit, but concerning a lot, <laughs> right? Like that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, Jeremy says that he's read it. Um, uh, JT is here. I read it. I couldn't believe how incredibly tone deaf it was. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would use that exact wording, uh, but I, I would say like there, there are lots of things that are going to be concerning as we go through this thing and it, yeah, it's going to be a long stream. Okay. We're 25 minutes in and we just got through the intro. So it's going to be a long one. Strap in everybody. <laughs> uh, Megan says that she's read it. Um, it's a lot of proof texting. Sean says for the scripture verses. Um, so Yeah. Uh, Jeremy looks like has a question. Dean, that is a fair question. The follow-up question to that would be, have we seen an abuse of power from the government? There may be picking and choosing, but in this case, have they picked right? All right. That is a, that is a question that could be asked. I didn't come up with the documents, so I don't need to answer that question. I'm just saying, you know, if they're going to say it is necessary to speak, then when is it necessary to speak? That's my question. And they're the ones who came up with the document for me to consider. So that would be the question that they would need to answer. Uh, John, why do you think they made the declaration now? Uh, I will get into it. Uh, stay tuned for the ending, okay? I know this is going to be a long stream. If you got stuff to do, I understand. Uh, but at the end, I'm going to try to connect the dots, okay? Uh, and like I said, I don't think it's what you think. Uh, contemporary evangelical seems to wrapped up in human politics for my personal comfort. Iron Man 67 says, and Michael is here. The usage of the constitution was weird for a document that claims to be for concerned pastors from different continents. Yes. Uh, I mean like different countries have constitutions, so they might be in reference like to that idea. Um, although no, not everyone calls it a constitution. So it's like, I don't understand is basically my, what I come out, come away from. Cause it screams American to me, but like, and then it's like, like, again, different constitutions, different governments have things set up differently to where there are different freedoms for those people. Um, and so if we're not talking about theology and we're talking about politics in that, like there's, I don't think that you can say like, these are the rights that are given to us from whatever constitution. Cause that might not be accurate. 
John uh, says, how can you have nothing against America? Their whole nation was founded on rejection, uh, rejecting the only thing Jesus ever said about politics. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Uh, I, yeah, I, I have a stance on that. Um, I, like, people up here in Canada like my answer to this. I don't think it was right, and you can quote me on this. It's fine. I've been yelled at a bunch about this take. Um, but I don't think it was right for American pastors, or at least in the colonies, the pastors, uh, to preach about um, rejecting British rule. I don't believe that the Revolutionary War uh, was biblical. It happened, and like so it's not really a whole lot of use in debating it, but that's that's my stance on it, and I've always gotten a lot of flack for it. I remember getting yelled at in high school about it, so... <laughs> Like that's that's where I stand. Uh, I do think part of it, us breaking down is understanding if we agree power has been abused or not. Okay, well we'll deal with that at the end, Jeremy. All right. So Article One: uh, God the Creator as Sovereign Lawgiver and Judge. We affirm that the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the personal Creator of all things visible and invisible, the blessed and only Sovereign, and the ultimate Lawgiver for all human conduct. So far, so good. I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, we believe that he is revealed in the Holy Scriptures um, and, and the consciences of men and an unchangeable morality, which is rooted in his own character and which defines the nature of good and evil conduct for all people at all times. So I think I would agree with that as well. Um, when we're talking about that, we're talking about the conscience, Paul talks about that quite a bit in Romans uh, that we have, like not just this external uh, judging factor of like the word tells us that our sin is wrong, but we have an internal judging factor of our own consciences bear uh, proof to the fact that we know uh, that something is sinful. So I would agree with that. Um, at all. As the lawgiver, God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Agree with that. But this is where I'm saying, like, it's disjointed. It's untethered. Like, there's a lot of, like, okay, this is pretty basic stuff. And then here's the denials. We therefore, so based off those affirmations, we therefore deny that impersonal matter is the final authority or final reality behind all things. And the belief that human conduct is merely a biological or uh, sociological phenomenon. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how you can go from one to the other. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't understand what would be, Okay, I could I could agree with that. Like the final reality, like or or basically like you could think of it as levels of judgment uh, on what is truth, right? Like that's really what we're talking about here. And it's pretty clear that God is, right? <laughs> From the Bible, that's not really debatable. So I can talk about that and say like, okay, I can agree that it's like basically they want to like this is Science is wrong. <laughs> Science is wrong sometimes is, is what it's saying here. We therefore deny that impersonal matter is the final reality behind all things and the belief that human conduct is merely a biological, sociological phenomenon. So science doesn't give us all the answers. Okay, I don't know how that's connected to what we saw before. 
but since God is the ultimate lawgiver and judge, we deny the right of any earthly authority to define morality and require unconditional obedience of their citizens when contrary to his law. And this one is also confusing. So I get the idea of science isn't always right. It can't tell us why we behave the way that we do. It can't give us that full definition. I will say it does give us some ideas. Okay. And, and I think this is the problem. Like they, they, there's so much like absolute talk in this statement and it's not always so absolute. (laughs) Like, uh, like here talking about like the government, like basically what this means to me is that the government get, doesn't get to define morality that God does that. And while ultimately that is true, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I keep on coming back to this. And I know this is the most basic thing. And I know those who are here watching who don't agree with me. And I know you're here. I know you're here. I know you watched last week and you're here to see what I'm going to say and possibly write blog posts, whatever. That's fine. You're welcome here. I know that those who would be on the other side of this and love this statement, this declaration, would say, oh, here we go, Romans 13 again, like and just like kind of roll their eyes. I know you are. It's fine. All right, but come on. Let everyone submit to the governing authority since there is no authority except from God. That's clear. All right, that's kind of what was said. But here we go. The authorities that exist are instituted by God. So, all right, they don't get to define it, but they've been instituted by God to say this is what the law of the land. I don't, like, I don't think this means what they think it means. <laughs> like, this idea of being like, okay, well, God is the ultimate lawgiver and judge, so therefore we deny the right of any earthly authority to define morality. God gave them that authority. And yes, it doesn't mean that they're always right and that God's word, of course, is sovereign over that, that it's like it's the thing that we base everything off of, not just because the government says this is the right thing to do. But it's a false dichotomy to say like, oh, well, the government is wrong and God is right. Well, the well, God uses the government. He, he it's instituted by him to define morality for us in some very particular ways there's a speeding limit like i can only go so fast on the street like they're they're like murder is wrong yes and the government says it and yes it comes from god but it doesn't mean that the government and god are opposed to each other and so yes they define morality in a certain sense of what is legal and illegal for us to do and that doesn't have like that doesn't negate God's authority in any way. I I don't know what you mean other than that. We deny the right of any earthly authority to define morality and require unconditional obedience of their citizens when contrary to his law. Okay, that little part at the end, I can get behind. When contrary to his law. All right. Uh well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say law and I think that's a I think that's a thing, <laughs> law gospel distinction here. Uh, but like, I, I would say that I agree when it's contrary to his word, if you were to substitute that word, 
contrary to his word, then yes, like you obey God rather than men. That's Acts 4. Like we we know that, we get that, we've heard so much about that over the last couple of years. But like I, I don't I don't agree with this like pitting these two against each other. Now, like this is why I said it, it reads like someone who is just having a conversation with someone who is agreeing with them, like an echo chamber, <laughs> like of just someone who is just parroting that back to them. And it, it sounds right to them. <laughs> I'm sure it does. But to someone who's on the, the opposing side a little bit, all right, I would say I don't, I don't understand this, this dichotomy that they're creating here. We also have good grounds, to which I would say what grounds? <laughs> to question the modern state's ethical pronouncements and moral vision since their secular humanism and relativistic ethics have no transcendent basis for human behavior or morality. <sighs> All right. Uh, this, seems, this seems kind of defensive uh, in it, in its wording here. Like as if they're like, it's almost, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Romans, <laughs> like of, of Paul answering like the critic who, who is just like, well, what about this? And just writing in defense of that. This seems like that for the statement, good grounds to question the modern state's ethical pronouncements, which ones, uh, because apparently you, you said kind of all, like define morality and require unconditional obedience. So it's, it's very general. So I would, I would ask uh, specifically, like which ethical pronouncements, what moral vision, since their secular humanism and relativistic ethics have no transcendent basis for human behavior or morality. And again, I would say, yes, they do. They do because it's instituted by God. Like, so like, is it all like, like absolute? No, but like, that's the problem with this document is that they want everything to be absolute and to, to be able to have like no gray areas whatsoever. This is like, let's paint everything black and white. And there, there are going to be some gray areas, but to say that they don't have any transcendent uh, basis for human behavior or morality is wrong because they are instituted by God and God has given them this, this ability to yes, say what is moral for a people. And that doesn't mean that what they say is more, uh, is moral is absolutely correct. But when it is, we obey. Uh, this is going to be a thing. Um, let's see. Yes, I agree. I see Bill. Uh, there are certain things I don't want to get into the weeds about, but I agree with you, Bill. Um, John, uh, did you say the government and God's authority are opposed to one another, or are you just reading that in? Like that that's I, when I look at this, it seems to create a dichotomy that God is the one who who defines morality requires or uh, that he's the one who does that, not the government. But God has used the government to do that for people. That's what I'm saying. And I don't I don't know if that's me misreading them, but also maybe be more specific. <laughs> so just just this is me. All right. This is me giving my opinion on this. You don't have to agree. If you're here and you're watching, 
It's fine. <laughs> but you don't have to agree with me. All right. Let's keep on going here. Uh, article number two. God is the source of truth and the role of science. We affirm that God the creator is the truth and that therefore objective truth exists and can be derived from his revelation in scripture and nature and from any facts which can be credibly verified. All right. Uh, We endorse science, which seeks to discover through the scientific method and debate, which... This is something that's always concerning for me. Why is that? I want to highlight it. Thank you. Can't highlight and move things at the same time. Come on, Apple. You're just like trying to get at me for losing my Apple pencil. Uh, Through the scientific method and debate, like the is like there is one way to do it. And I'm not a scientist, but from what I understand, there are many different methods. And uh, it seems to imply throughout the statement that there is one specific scientific method, which I'm assuming by that they mean like observable. Like that's usually a thing, right? Like observable science that you, you watch it happen again and again and again in that science. Usually when people are talking about that, they're wanting to talk about evolution uh, and different ideas like that. And I'm assuming that's what they mean. Through the scientific method and debate, the truths that God has built into the natural world. We also affirm the limitations of science, including its inability to speak authoritatively on areas outside its purview and its propensity to err when data is lacking. So essentially, what I get out of this is let's let's talk about the lockdowns, right? Like, uh, am I am I wrong, people? For, for assuming that's what's being discussed here uh, and uh, talking really about, you know, the pandemic and what we did to try to fight the pandemic because everyone was scrambling and people came to a conclusion on these methods. Uh, I'm assuming that's what's being talked about here. Since man has fallen into sin, we further affirm that all his thoughts, deductions, and institutions contain degrees of corruption, which tend to distort manipulate or suppress the truth and to that i would say i do agree i just have quibbles about some of the wording um and and like i would i would say i want to know what they mean by tend is that just mean that it can because if that's the interpretation of that word then i think that yes like we we are flawed people we make mistakes if that's what they mean by that then i could say that yeah i could probably Affirm that. Uh, But this is the thing that you'll notice with this. A lot of the affirmations are general ideas that maybe you could get behind, um, at least for me. Like a lot of these affirmations, I could probably get behind. But the denials are where it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, because it's, like I said, untethered. What do I mean by that? Well, we therefore deny the human government. Uh, human governments are morally and ideologically neutral and always know or seek what is good for their citizens and that their narrative should be unconditionally trusted. Who's saying otherwise in the Christian world? Like, this is the thing. Like, it wants to paint things so absolute and saying, like, 
essentially like the government is, can be wrong. Well, that's true. All right. But then it doesn't mean that they always are like, I, it, like the ideologically neutral, like they might be <laughs> like, is all the governments in the world are pushing an agenda is essentially what's, what's being said with this. And that's not accurate. At least I don't believe that's accurate that they're morally and ideologically neutral and always know. Well, I don't think that they always know or seek what is good for their citizens, but I do. Sorry. Maybe I'm the most naive guy on the planet when you're going to clip it out. Maybe, (laughs) but I would like to think that the government does have my best interests at heart. Sorry. I do. (laughs) Like, I'm also not naive enough to think that they always do. Uh, Like, taxes are there for a reason, because they want money. Like, this doesn't always have to do with, all right, well, let's make your school better for your kids. Like, let's let's better your life. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to go to worst case scenarios and say that, you know, they're always trying to get you, which is what I think this document is leading to. We reject any deception, fear-mongering, propagandizing and indoctrination by the state and mass media and all reporting on critical world issues, which is premature, selective, or ideologically manipulative. And here's what I'll say. I feel like this is a really weird way for Grace Community Church to apologize. (laughs) Too harsh of a joke? Maybe, um, deception, fear mongering, propagandizing and indoctrination by the state and mass media and all reporting on critical world issues, which is premature. All right. Who sets, who sets the standard on what is premature and not okay. Selective. Well, that's again, like these are subjective words, um, but, uh, that are selective or ideologically manipulative everyone has ideology and everyone is trying to convince someone else that their ideology is correct. That's part of being human beings. That's just how it is. Now, of course, as a Christian, I believe that the Bible is correct. (laughs) And so I want people to believe in the Bible, but I try not to do that in manipulative ways. Um, But everyone has a, has a point of view. Uh, But this is very much like the media like this is focused on the mass media and the stories and the fake news. And this is where, again, like if you read like this first, you can be like, okay, I kind of get it. They're talking about like what I'm assuming the science, the scientific method is talking about observable science. That's what I'm assuming. And so they're like, well, it's not observable because we're in the middle of it. So you didn't want the government to do anything like just open up more beds for people to get in like during the pandemic. Well, of course, like I think that there's other things that are going on here on how they viewed that as a whole. Um, But premature, selective, ideologically manipulative. We further reject the assertions of any so-called scientific consensus. What about dentists? (laughs) Tell me, is Colgate the right one? I'm sorry, but like, I don't, 
All right, scientific consensus, which abandons the scientific method. Again, which one? Like, again, I'm pretty sure you're just talking about a vague idea of observable science. I'm pretty sure, but that's like, that's stuff that I know. Okay. I got degrees in theology. I don't have any degrees in biology. I am not a doctor. I have no idea. That is way over my head. Um, and I don't think any of the signers do either. Okay. I'm just, I'll just say that. So like, it's not like they have like more knowledge uh, of this, this ideology than you or me, but you know, they want to, they want to talk about how scientific consensus is wrong, which abandons the scientific method and ignores or suppresses the concerns of dissident voices. All right. Well, I, I do think that's, that's something. I, I do think that latter part suppresses the concerns of dissident voices. Like we should be able to have conversations. Okay. And again, I know that there's tons of people who are going to watch this who don't agree with me and we could have friendly conversation as long as you're willing to like talk about it. Not just like I have eight paragraphs about how I'm right and you're wrong. I ain't going to read that. Just being honest. Like if you do that, I ain't reading it. Um, I might look at the first paragraph, <laughs> but we can have actual conversations. So I do think that's important to not suppress concerns of people who disagree with you. We likewise reject scientism. I don't know what that means. Scientism. Like I'm, I'm assuming that's a word that they're like using to talk about people who they only believe in science. <laughs> Some Nacho Libre for you. Uh, we likewise reject scientism since even when scientific findings correctly describe a particular phenomenon, they cannot adequately and normatively address complex social realities or prescribe policies that have ethical implications. And by that, they mean lockdowns. They mean lockdowns um, and the idea of social distancing. Um. I think that they can. I, I, I think that science can actually tell us there are some things that we can do that are going to fix the physical problem. And like that, so it is addressing complex social realities. It's just not addressing the consequences of those things, which is what the church should have done. Like, so it, it does answer some of these things for us. So I reject that. Uh, that idea, like it's, it can do those things. It just doesn't deal with, yes, the, like, if we we're going to focus on this last word, the implications, but I don't think that's what's being said here as a whole. All right. Number three, we affirm that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. All right. Uh, we affirm that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God and therefore has inherent dignity and worth along with certain inalienable rights and liberties requisite for a proper human life. Agree with the first part. We are created in the image and likeness of God and therefore inherent dignity and worth. True along with certain inalienable rights and liberties requisite for a proper human life. That's, that's not Bible. This is the thing. Like, some of it, you're like, okay, of course. Of course. You know, we are created in the image of God. But that wording, certain 
inalienable rights and liberties, that's political. Like that, that's, that's not, you're not going to find those words in the Bible. Like, do we have certain rights? Yes. To worship God. (laughs) But like, I I don't think that you can say like those phrases together with this for a proper human life. There are certain things. Sure. But inalienable rights and liberties. I don't think the constitution is inspired. Okay. Like, I don't like there are governments that say, yes, this is a free country. And to like hurt people is obviously wrong. There are lots of different things that you can point to and say, this government doesn't act appropriately toward their people. Um, but not every country has to be the United States. And I don't mean that as like the people in it. I mean like the, the forming of it, like the, the structure of it. These rights and liberties include the right to corporate worship. So here we come. Uh, personal and in-person relationships, vocational employment, and participation in the important events of human life, such as the right to comfort the sick and the dying, especially of one's own family, to attend funerals, to witness the birth of one's child, to marry in a public gathering, to fellowship and eat together with others, and to engage in honorable work. Basically, we didn't like the lockdowns. We think that it stomped on our civil liberties, which is, of course, your prerogative. But I don't think that you're going to see in Scripture where that is actually said to be like you have this God-given right uh, in, in certain parts of this. Some other ones, yes. Uh, but like to fellowship and eat together with others, like should we be able to? Yes. Is it biblical if we're not? Like, is it unbiblical if we're not? I don't know. It's, it's just like you're throwing everything out and saying like that all everything with the pandemic was wrong. Just say that. Like, I don't know. It's just very wordy for just basically saying, I didn't like the pandemic. We also affirm that governments should recognize that each individual is responsible for their own bodily well-being and should protect the right to personal medical self-determination. In other words, we didn't want to get the jab. And we should be able to, um, you know, say whether we want one or not. To which I would say that, no, actually, you don't. Like, not biblically. Like, that's the other thing. Go back to the Bible and find these things. Like, they're, like yes, in an ideal world, then yes. But, like, this was supposed to be, at least I thought, a theological document. And it's not. It's just, this is our version of an ideal society. And so, because of that, we affirm these things. Well, the Bible doesn't actually. Like, there are things, like, even... I'll, I'll say this, all right? Uh, in the nation of Israel with circumcision, do you think every man wanted circumcision? That's a question. <laughs> like, I just, I don't think that, like, to be able to just say, all right, well, this is how it is. We, we also affirm that governments should recognize that each individual is responsible for their own bodily well-being, should protect the rights to personal medical self-determination. Is it idealistic? Yes. Is it biblical? I don't think so. Like, I think that the government can say that, yes, they do have authority, that it is 
instituted by God and can say, yes, you should get this thing. I believe that is accurate. And it's true across different lines as well. Like missionaries, we all know, like missionaries have to get shots when they go to different places. And it's not always just, hey, like they they don't want to get sick from this thing. It's because the government says, if you're going to come into this country, you have to get this shot. No one fights about that. They fight over this, though. We therefore deny the dehumanizing actions of a governmental authority or any other institution to subject any person to psychological manipulation and intimidation. All right. So the government coming in and saying that you're doing wrong, like governmental authority or any other institution to subject any person to psychological manipulation and intimidation. Are you talking about like brainwashing? Like through like, again, like with the media, psychological manipulation and intimidation by coming in and observing like what's happening and whether people are following health restrictions or not. Is that what you mean? I don't know. This includes fostering suspicion. Okay, so here we go. This includes fostering suspicion of others by portraying them as potential threats to the common and individual good. All right, so if someone doesn't have the thing, the jab, then they are able, they're not able to like be around people. And is that what they mean? Categorizing them as like this kind of threat. We likewise oppose the state's mandating of medical decisions for its citizens in the criminalizing, enforcing, uh, enforced segregation, vocational disempowerment, and any other deprivation of rights of persons who choose not to comply with their government's medical policies. To which I would say, I don't think that you have scripture to say that. I don't think you do. I think there are things that the government can say medically that this needs to happen for you to be able to be around these people, these types of people, like whether that's, you know, people going through, I don't know, going into like the nursing home. Like that was a big deal. Um, you know, that there, I think that it's appropriate for the government to say that these people can't be around if they're going to make those decisions. And I don't like, is it manipulation? Of course it is. Like it is manipulation for you to change your mind and to have some of those rights. And you know what? It worked. <laughs> like people did get the, get the jab because they like weren't able to go around and be around people. So it did, did work in a certain way. So we thus reject all forms of medical coercion and any restriction of individual freedoms for people who are not infected with any contagious self or uh, contagious life-threatening disease this freedom or this includes the implementation of vaccine passports social distancing or mask wearing as a general prerequisite for access to public places or for participation in work or social life and this is where i go i completely disagree <laughs> like uh why here's here's one thing why is it always this why is it always just this is this too much for people? Like, that's not a big deal. All right, I have a beard. Mass ruined it. Okay, every time I had to get, I had to spend like 50 bucks on, on this specific kind of mask so my beard would look okay after I went to Walmart. All right, like, it's not that big of a deal. 
I, it's not stomping on your freedoms to put a little piece of fabric over your face. But this is like the absolute nature of this document. It's all or nothing. And they want nothing. They don't, they don't want any of these things. They don't want the government to be able to say that they should follow any of these guidelines. And why is that? Well, because they thought it was all fake. That's the only conclusion that I could come to, okay? They thought the data was fake from like the like being able to figure out these are the steps that we need to take to follow through with some things. But I mean, here's here's my thing. If if you are saying, well, no, that's unfair that they like they don't specifically say that this whole couple years has been fake and whatever propaganda, whatever, like conspiracy theory stuff. They're not saying that, Dean. Well, then why can't they wear a mask? Well, because they think that's fake. They think it doesn't do anything. Like, these are people who I'm sure that if you ask them, would you, like, <laughs> do you love people? They would say, yes, of course I love people. Well, then the only conclusion I get from that is that you don't believe that any of this stuff is real. Or it's that much of a threat. And I think that's, I think that's foolish. Like I, I just do. And I'm sure that they're watching this and saying like, no, I'm pretty sure you're foolish and that's fine. We can disagree. I'm just reacting to my, like my own thoughts on this thing. You guys can go do it on your own channel. Um, yeah. So we, we thus reject all forms, which is again, all like I probably should have done it, marked it up of how many times they say all in this statement, but we thus reject all forms of medical coercion and any restrictions any restrictions on individual freedoms for people who are not infected with any contagious. How do you know? Because a lot of these people aren't going to go and test. Okay. Like, let's be, let's be real. Let's be honest. They're not going to go and have any kinds of tests. They're not going, Oh, that person, they just have a cold. Well, two weeks later, the whole family's down with, you know what, you know, like that has happened over and over and over again events that I was supposed to go to. And I got a little uncomfortable that, you know, there were going to be so many people, uh, that certain types of people were going to be there who did not agree with my ideology on this stuff. Well, I didn't go. And you know what happened? Everybody got, you know what? And I did not. Now I got it eventually through, I don't even know. It's a mystery, but I got it. And it, here's, here's what I'll say about that. That stuff was real. All right. Like you might be like, well, you're a big guy. You fit all like this, like the stats for who would have a hard time with that specific thing. Yeah. And it sucked and I hated it. And I have friends who have lost all kinds of loved ones. There've been so many funerals, like all this stuff just screams to me unloving when you're just like, again, like you can't even like, you got to go at that too. Like you can't even sacrifice that much for people. That is more notifications of other stuff going on. Uh, I'm just looking to see if I'm in danger. <laughs> it's kind of important. Uh, I do appreciate people who've been praying. I put it on the community tab of things going on here um, with uh, the James Smith Cree Nation uh, stabbings and the manhunt that is going on. Uh, it doesn't look like I'm in any danger. 
they they were spotted not too far away. Um, all right, let's keep on going here. Well, let's let's see what you guys are saying. I'm sure there's lots of disagreements, <laughs> which is fine. Um, let's see. Armac says. Uh, John MacArthur, Phil Johnson, Justin Peters are ideologically manipulative. Everyone who takes an individual view on scripture does likewise. Uh, I'm not so sure if I agree with that last part. I don't know what you mean by individual view on scripture. Like everyone has their own point of view and thinks that their own point of view is correct and wants to tell others about that point of view, right? I'm not. I'm, let me know what you mean by that, Armac. I appreciate it. Uh, this just seems like one big virtue signal. Um, whether that's me or the document, I'm assuming it's a document, but yeah, I mean, kind of, it seems like, uh, let's just talk to everyone who agrees with us and say all the things out loud. Like that's, that's kind of what I gather. Uh, during the first year of the pandemic, there was no flu season. So yes, uh, mass social distancing did help and it did make a difference. Right. Uh, Sean, yes. I struggle with people saying God has given us certain in, in, I can't say that word in alienable rights chapter and verse that's a political statement not a biblical one right like people might watch that and get really mad that i said that but you can't find a bible verse that says it like you find a lot of bible that submit to the governing authorities unless they're telling you not to obey god i mean i think that's that's where it is uh, Jeremy, I think they're making the connection that because all human, uh, beings, all humans be, uh, bear the image of God is the reason we affirm the idea that we have inalienable rights. Um, I don't know, uh, if, th- if that's true, cool. Uh, it definitely doesn't come off that way to me. I, I just, I, I, it's disjointed at the very least. Uh, the government has every right to make restrictions for the good of the people. Is this always fair? No, it's not, but they do have the right. I agree. It sucks. Like, come on guys. Like I was there. Like we all lived through it. A lot of you guys haven't lived through it here in Canada. It was hard. Like it was harder than a lot of other places. Um, there was a Christmas. I live three blocks away from my in-laws. And my kids had to hang out on the patio with negative 30 degree weather for like 10 minutes with, with my, with their grandparents for Christmas. I get it. It's hard. Like, but just because something is hard, doesn't make it wrong. And like here, like, we'll never know. We'll never know what could have happened. That will always be a mystery. And people are going to have their points of view about, you know, what if we didn't do it that way, blah, 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 blah. But to come out with a statement and say, well, it's theologically incorrect. You don't have Bible for it. Uh, Sean, you are right. They're trying to build that case that resisting government in these ways isn't against Romans 13. Yep, they've been saying that for a long time. Uh, Armac, God is not a respecter of individual rights. What this document is not addressing is how much money did Grace Community Church lose uh, during this time. That's what they're talking about. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Sean, correct. Michael, these people wouldn't last a day during the persecution of the early church. I don't know. I think that some of these guys would. <laughs> like, some of these guys are pretty brutal. <laughs> Just <'cause, laughs> so, uh, um, Let's see. 
Let's see, Jeremy. Many of those persecuted Christians around the world are persecuted because of government. Uh, sure. But the government, like here's, here's, like the government is not always going to act that way. And I think this is, you know, like these, these guys who write this document and like the conference that's being put on, they really want to talk about John Bunyan's work of Antichrist and his ruin. But like the way that John Bunyan talks about like Antichrist being destroyed is through the prayer and faith of the saints and through the government. Like that God is going to use the government in a good way to defeat this uh, spirit of Antichrist. So like you might view the government as the problem, but it also in some cases is the solution uh, that God would use it. And because it does have that authority to change laws, rules, regulations. Um, yeah, let's see. What else are you guys saying? I'm trying to just keep up with it. I'm not going to go through everything, but, um, the American church has no idea what real persecution looks like. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I would probably agree with that. Um, it, they read about it and think, okay, this is what it looks like. It's when I don't get my way. It's, it's to me, it's a, very similar to the idea of Christian liberty, you know, of people thinking like, well, okay, you're flaunting your Christian liberty because you're doing it. And, uh, that that's offending me. People, everyone thinks that they're offended because they don't feel good about you using your liberty in that way. That's not what offend means. It means to cause someone to do something. Like it's to violate their own conscience and they their held belief and make them do something. Persecution is not just oh, I don't feel good about something, like they're making me feel bad about something. It's much harsher than that. Um, Mary, it boils down to one thing: these guys are super vigilant to demand uh, subjects to submit to their authority, but they're not willing to submit to God given authority over them. I think I agree with that, Mary. I think I agree with that. All right. Um, let's see. There. Uh, oh, we also. Yes. There's one little part onto this one. So let's keep on going through here. Uh, beings we also oppose since they are uh, since they undermine the human agency, which is so fundamental to our God-given calling to live as image bearers. Um. There's a reason why the Bible doesn't talk about uh, not chattel slavery. Let me be clear. <laughs> There's a reason why the Bible doesn't say that every form of like being a bond servant. Let's go with that one. All right. That every form of being a bond servant was evil because it wasn't. Uh, now, there are, there is man stealing which is a very different thing. The Bible talks specifically about how that is wrong and evil and unjust, and God hates it. And I believe that most people, when they think of slavery, they're thinking of man-stealing, uh, which is unbiblical. Um, and that steals the agency. But so does being a bondservant. There, there is some agency that's lost. You can't do everything that you want to. Um, but that doesn't make the idea of being a bondservant wrong. So like there are, there are going to be ways and uh, even your job, it does impose on your agency a little bit. You can't go and do whatever you want. Uh, 
right? You have a job. You got to be there. Like we, we all have limitations on our agency. So is every limitation unbiblical? Well, no, you should work, right? Like <laughs> you should have a job. You should be able to do all these things. Capitalism matters. You know, I'm not saying that they are about that. I'm just making jokes. All right. Article number four. Uh, we got two left. Where are we at? Way too long. All right. Uh, we affirm that all earthly authorities. Oh, let me hide that. Sorry. We affirm that all earthly authorities derive their authority, the right to be obeyed from God, who is over all and to whom all must give account. We believe that he has established their different spheres. And so this is, this is like their main thing. Um, as someone who's watched, like you guys who are watching, who are opposing, like my view, um, that's fine. Again, you're welcome here. Um, but I've watched your stuff. I know what you, what you mean by these three spheres, and I don't believe that they're biblical. We believe that he has established their different spheres of responsibility, i.e., in other words, mandates, and in so doing has set the limits to their authority. God has delegated authority to civil governments for the purpose of rewarding good and punishing evil and to protect the God-given rights and freedoms granted to all people. Again, in a certain way, that is true. Like if you, if you look at Romans 13 here, you can see, of course, the, the good and the bad, right? Like, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience." And gets into some taxes, your obligations to respect to those uh, who uh, deserve respect and honor to those who you owe honor. So, like, some aspects of this is, of course, biblical, right? Like, the, yes, that's what the government does. But these God-given rights and freedoms granted to all people, I need, like, like I know you gave, like, a little list, of what you like some of the things that you're talking about and specifically you're talking about like the different ones uh about um you know fellowship and eating together and basically all the in-person activities that uh they they wanted during the pandemic like i get that but like you're not going to find some of those in scripture and if you're talking about God-given things, you need to find them in Scripture. It's, it doesn't matter what George Washington said. It doesn't matter what, you know, James Madison wrote. Like, it, like though, that's politics. Where do we see some of these things in Scripture? There is a lot of authority. Not some, and it isn't, oh, it's very limited. No, there is a lot of authority that God has given the government. And it's for our good. And we shouldn't be so skeptical of the government all the time and thinking everything that they're trying to do is evil. Now, sometimes they are. And you might be watching this and saying, that's really naive, Dean, to try to believe the government. I'm so sorry. I think that the Bible actually calls for us to trust people 
And so, yes, I uh, like I'm not going to be super naive and say that every time it's always for our good and there aren't agendas that are attached to things. I understand that. I realize that. But at the same time, God has given a lot of authority for the government in my life. And I am to respect that authority, to follow the laws as best I can and to the amount like the scripture demands and where it doesn't contradict scripture. If God says one thing and the government says another, then of course we follow God. But like this idea of, oh, it's very limited. Actually, it's not. It's a lot of authority that the government has because God gave it to him. He instituted it. It's okay. The government can be a good thing. It can be. And I don't know if some of these people would really, if they honestly answered that, I don't think that they would be able to say that, yes, it can be a good thing, unless it's another kind of government, which we will talk about in a minute. Okay. Just letting you, letting you know. We got other things we'll talk about in just a minute. All right. He also delegated authority to the church and its various expressions, particularly to make disciples of all nations by preaching the word of God and to establish and administer redeemed communities of faith living under the authority of Christ. In addition, he has delegated authority to the family as the basic unit of society for the purpose of fostering societal cohesion and sexual fidelity and to protect, provide for, and raise, and educate children in the way of the Lord. We affirm our rights as citizens, parents, and Christians to freely self-determine our beliefs and behaviors based on these truths. Okay. Now, some of this is like, okay, I can, I can get behind some of this. But the problem, the the main problem that I see is, and this is why I don't agree with their three spheres of authority thing, Um, because, and I know, like it's, they didn't make it up, okay? I know that there are other theologians who have taught similar things. I don't think the exact same thing, but uh, they've taught similar things throughout Christian history, you know, post-Reformation. But the reason why I don't buy into this is because of how they define authority, the right to be obeyed. And this is the concerning part for me, because if you're going to say that, okay, well, authority means the right to be obeyed. Uh, then you're talking about how the church has a right to be obeyed. Uh, and if thus, if they are not obeyed, you know, there's going to be consequences. <laughs> Like that's, that's what it means with the government. I'm assuming that's what they mean with these other spheres. Um, and I'm a little concerned about the implications of that. And like, what do you mean by that? Of uh, them, like, should people obey the gospel? Of course. Like, should they, like, should they believe in Jesus Christ? Of course. But if not, you know, their, their consequences come from God, not the church. Right. Like at all. Right. Like, I just want to be clear <laughs> uh, because the government, when they, when they implement their authority, their right to be obeyed and there are consequences, it's because like, or the consequences come from the government, not from God. Well, in a way, right. But like the government is the instrument of that thing. So I, I just want to be clear. Like, and a lot of these guys, when they say these three spheres, I gather that there's something else. And I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly what their, their, 
like most of them are post-millennial. They're at least getting that way. And when they get into that kind of theology, which I will discuss at some point here on the channel, um, a lot of them are like, well, the church should actually be like uh, at least influencing the government. That's 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 how I gather it. I could be wrong. I might be out to lunch. You don't have to watch my stuff, okay? Um, but that's that's what I gather from some of these guys talking about these three spheres. And I get very concerned about what do you mean by like consequences for how they um, like how they do the consequences. I guess really bad way to say that, but I think you guys gather what I'm saying. Uh, so we therefore deny uh, totalitarian ideologies of governments which do not recognize the boundaries of their authority and usurp the authority delegated by God to the church or the family. In particular, we reject the tendency of government to centralize beliefs and conduct for, uh, conduct for their citizens by creating an authoritarian society in which the state is absolute. I don't know if we need to say this, but this is where... I think what is like the cohesion of this whole thing, which I'll get to in a sec. Such totalitarianism and statism is built upon beliefs that have fundamentally redefined good and evil and that the nature of human beings and are contrary to the divine order of things. The effect of such beliefs is to enslave. You, you read that right to enslave individual and religious freedoms and engender an ideological intolerance which seeks to silence, cancel, and re-educate those who disagree. We also oppose the view that children are the property of the state and therefore subject to be indoctrinated, and also any encouragement or manipulation of children to undergo medical procedures without parental consent. We all know what that means. And this... This is where it goes off the deep end. And I'm just having fun, okay? I'm just, it's just a little fun. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! <laughs> I just, like this goes like, okay, you can kind of, like we can quibble about some of the wording and like I, I don't necessarily agree with these three spheres. And then it's, wait, what? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? This is conspiracy stuff. Like this is like the government is out to get you. The government wants to enslave you. Like that's what that means. <laughs> like that's, They literally say it enslave individual and religious freedoms because of the lockdown or because of lockdowns, because of the pandemic, their conclusion is that the government is trying to enslave you. That the government is this big boogeyman that's coming for you. This totalitarianism, this statism that is coming for you, and you need to oppose it. And how do you oppose it? Get your kids out of public school, right? Where procedures can happen without you knowing, right? Like it's scare tactics. Now, is some of this stuff being debated about, like the procedure stuff? Yeah, of course. And like stuff can be said about that, but like all of this is scare tactics to say like the government is the enemy. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that like gray here. Like it's pretty black and white. 
It's like one of the good things about this statement being so absolute is that you know what they're saying in certain cases. And here it's pretty clear. The government is the enemy and churches need to stand up to the government because they're going to try to take your freedoms. They want to enslave you. Huh. <laughs> All right, last one. Article number five. We affirm that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ belongs to him at the cost of his life and that it is accountable to him alone in all matters of faith and practice. We believe that Christ's command to give to Caesar, in other words, the civil authority, what belongs to Caesar and to God, what belongs to God, establishes the functional independence of the church from the state. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. If they're meaning a separation between church and state, then I can get behind it. We believe that Christ, who is Lord over all, calls all without distinction of any kind to freely and regularly gather together in his name in local congregations to seek and to serve him in truth and love. We further affirm that the activities of the local church, insofar as they are essential acts of worship, are to be regulated by Christ alone. Um... Yeah. Now, there are wor words in here that make me go like, I can't get behind this. Um, because like regulated by Christ alone, like Christ has told us what to do in worship and no one should mess around with that. Like I agree with, like, if that's what you mean, then yes. But I don't think that's what you mean by regulated by Christ alone. Um, we therefore deny that any authority has jurisdiction over the church to regulate any of its affairs in matters of faith and practice and to regulate its activities to a non-essential status. Uh, okay. I'm going to eventually have to get some moderators here in the chat. Some of the things. Um, all right. So this, this thing here, this statement here, we therefore deny that any authority has jurisdiction over the church to regulate any of its affairs and matters of faith and practice or to regulate its activities to a non-essential status. That is so dangerous. Okay. Um, all right. It, it might work for the true church, right? The true church who acts biblically in all scenarios in an idealistic uh, hypothetical situation, <laughs> then yes, that could work. But <laughs> like, okay, what happens when someone says, well, this is my interpretation of scripture and uh, I view that, you know, this thing is that is legal is part of like part of how we do worship. The church can't like the government can't tell us how to do any of it. Like, what would that even look like? Because like, all right, Jehovah's Witnesses think that and they do some jacked up stuff. <laughs> like this, it, like, I don't understand how you enforce that. Like, or what, what that would really look like. Yes, the government does have some authority over the church to regulate its affairs and matters of faith and practice when there's something that is illegal that is happening and someone claiming that it is part of their worship. So I don't understand, like, you might be like, well, a real church wouldn't do that. Of course. 
but not every church is a real church. So what does that even look like? If, if you're wanting some kind of change, that's why you sign a document, you want some kind of change, what does that look like? Because, like, yes, like, should the government tell you that you can't sing hymns? I don't believe that the government had that right to say that. I think that the government was wrong in that instance to say that churches cannot sing. Can the government tell you how many people can be in one service? I think that they can. I think that they can, and they did, and most churches were able to figure it out. Most churches were able to say, okay, well, let's go into like some kind of like house church model. Let's move into multiple services. A lot of churches were able to figure it out and get it done. I think that the government can have that authority to tell. Now, uh, that that isn't to say those that like disagree in that instance that they deserve what they got, like of going to prison and all the fines and all those things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the government does, I believe, have that authority, which is why I followed the restrictions. But I do believe, oh, whoa. I do believe that the government does have some authority over the church and how they do that. Otherwise, it would be chaos. Uh, Let's see. We thus uh, repudiate all actions of the state and impose coercive measures that impose coercive measures over the church and criminalize, inhibit, or regulate any of its activities which are undertaken as acts of service towards its Lord. Again, in an ideal world where everyone is right and no one is doing anything sinister, I could see where that could be correct, but we don't live in that world. So I don't know what they're wanting, what they're wanting from this. Um, which are undertaken as acts of service toward its Lord. Lastly, we resist the the trend of digital platforms and Christian worship and ministry to become substitutes for congregational and in-person ministry, which are essential to our faith. Here's here's where I'm going to say something that will make everyone mad. Um, I think that you can do church online. I do believe that you can. Uh, now is if it's only online, then I think we have a problem, but if you could do everything you can do on a Sunday digitally in a way where you can actually talk with people, I'm not saying the way that everyone does it is right. Or that like any of the platforms do it this way to where it could be right. But if you could be able to interact and talk with people and do everything that you would on a Sunday without touching each other. I don't think that you have to touch each other for it to be church. I don't. Um, so I think that we can do all those things. Now, I do believe that there is something to being, you know, physically with someone. And that would be what happens throughout the week. Smaller. Not everyone as a whole. Like, I don't think that's like, I think in... Honestly, I think in like 20 to 30 years, if Jesus doesn't come back, we're going to look at back at how everyone viewed online church and they're going to, we're going to look at it and be like, wow, like there was, there was a lot of debate over nothing. Like uh, that's where I'm at now. I know most people disagree with me. I'm in the very small minority on this. Um, but that's, that's what I think. Um, can you, Jeremy says, can you administer the sacraments online? Yes. If everyone has, like, I'm a Baptist, Jeremy, <laughs> like I, I take like a very, a very different view than Presbyterians, than 
um, Anglicans, then a lot of different people who have, like they're not going full transubstantiation like, uh, like some do. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm a Baptist. I do believe in a memorial view of it. And I don't believe that there's anything special about like the cracker and the juice other than what happens in your mind. So yes, I do believe that you can do that. Uh, if it's done respectfully and whoever would, uh, eat or drink unworthily, that's on them. Okay. Like, cause if you're not paying attention to what's happening, that's on you. That doesn't mean that it like I'm saying in an ideal world where everything is happening functionally correct with the platform and everyone is paying attention and everyone is able to do all the things that they want to do. I do believe that it can happen. And I know we disagree. That's okay, Jeremy. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there anything else to talk about before we get into some of this stuff? Uh, we thus repudiate all actions of the state that impose. Blah, blah, blah. Lastly, we resist the trend of digital platforms. Yes. All right. A call for respect, repentance, and resistance. Let's look at that. Oh man, why do we keep on doing that? Because I'm trying to move. I'm trying to move my iPad with <laughs> my mouse. Oh man. Uh, someday I'm gonna have like a stream and it's actually gonna work and I'll know how to use it. Uh, we commend and express our gratitude to those civil authorities who respect the essential nature of these Christian beliefs and practices and who have a high regard for individual and religious freedoms. To those civil authorities who have disregarded these freedoms, we call on you to repent and to become again the protector of liberty and of the rights that God has given to all men. Lest in the abuse of your God-given authority you become liable to God's wrath to those who desire to compel us to obey the secular state rather than God, we respect, uh, respectfully but firmly say, like the three Hebrews who refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue, Daniel 3, 16-18. To our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, we say, Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it appears that the world may be well entering a time of testing, not only for the church, but for everyone who believes in freedom, who opposes tyranny. Let us stand with those who are hard-pressed, arrested, or forcefully isolated because they have chosen to do what is right. Let us stand in solidarity with those whose churches are forcefully closed or who are exiled from their congregations. Let us help and support and by exile from their congregations means fired, okay, <laughs> because their churches didn't agree. Let us help and support in practical ways those who are fined or have to forfeit their employment for the sake of Christ. And we ask our brothers and sisters who have lived under persecution all their lives to pray for us. So China? It's the only place I know that persecution has happened for entire periods of people's lives. Uh, that God would give us the grace to bless those who persecute us and to pray for them, that God would give us the courage to stand firm in our faith as his witnesses, and that he who is Lord over, uh, Lord over all would give us strength to remain faithful and persevere to the end. Um, I don't have a lot of quibbles with that. I think that most of that was fine. Like, Whatever. We can pray. We can disagree with people. And I don't think that saying that we disagree with people is like saying that we're not standing with them. Again, I prayed for James Coates when he was in prison, prison, uh, prayed for all those guys who are facing uh, consequences for their stand. I prayed for all of them. Didn't mean I agreed with them. Didn't, did not agree. <laughs> 
So, um, baptisms too. Talking about online church? No, of course not. Not dunk yourself, but having a couple people there physically. How many people does it take to do baptism? Uh, presence of witnesses. Well, I mean, you got Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and I guess maybe the guy who was driving the chariot. Like, I mean, like we could figure out ways to do some of these things. What I'm saying, um, yeah, you can you can stream that and have people watch, and uh, it can be in the presence of witnesses. By that meaning, that people saw it, people were there. <sighs> That's what we're gonna be talking about, aren't we? <laughs> All right. So, what happened here? What happened in the statement? I think that I obviously I don't like the statement, the declaration. (coughs) Sorry. I don't like the declaration. I I don't understand some of the implications. Like I'm like, I shouldn't say I don't understand. I am skeptical of some of the implications of what they had to say. Uh, there is ideology in here that I don't believe that is scriptural, that is said as being scriptural, just because traditionally, in North America specifically, traditionally Christians have always thought something, uh, specifically ideas with the Constitution and things like that, uh, make me go, ah, I don't know. But again, like I'm, I'm confused by that because I know that this wasn't written by Americans, or at least I don't think, like... Maybe they were American missionaries, but uh, the guy I watched, the the guy in Germany, didn't sound like he was from America. So I'm a little confused by some of that rhetoric. Uh, but maybe that's also just influence from other people who didn't write it, but told them, hey, maybe think about putting this in. Um, but I don't agree with it. Uh, and I think that it does a disservice to the conversation um, because... Again, over the last couple of weeks, yes. Have I been talking about it? Yes. I've been saying how I disagree with people. Yes. But you got to say that you disagree with people in order for there to be like, okay, now let's move on. And I don't think that was the point of this. This doesn't feel like a statement of saying, all right, here's where we stood on this issue. Let's all respect each other and move on. It is, you need to repent. And this is the thing that I've heard from people is you need to repent, not Hey, we all did things like, you know, like I called you unloving. You called me an apostate, <laughs> like as if those are the same things, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like we've, we've all said things, we've all done things. Let's be able to move on. That's not what this document does. This document is a call to arms. Okay. This document is very like, like I said, the, the word that, that keeps on coming to mind is absolute. Like you're either with us or you're against us and you need to repent. And the people who they're with, that's what's most concerning for me. Because again, we are seeing these new lines being drawn and there are lines, I believe, of separation, um, uh, of saying that these people are the liberals now. So I would be pushed onto the liberal side because I disagree with their political stuff. Um, and I mean, like some of it is kind of theological, but I wouldn't even like looking at this document. I don't believe that it's very theological at all. It's mostly political jargon. And so like, I disagree with politics here. So that pushes me onto the left side of Christianity and the people that are, um, being able to be together 
are people then who it's just weird. I mean, like some of these names, like, yeah, you know them and you see them online and you see them uh, talking about conservative politics a lot. Um, but now we have like John MacArthur and Doug Wilson sign the same document. And to me, that's crazy. Like, I, I really do think like there's been such a change in John MacArthur that I, I don't know what to make of it exactly. Other than just being like people like we know this people get harsher as they get older. And I think that that might have happened because I don't think that John MacArthur of 1980 would be signing a statement like this with someone who was like Doug Wilson. Um, Doug Wilson, I, I did a stream a couple of weeks ago about him. You can find out all those thoughts that I have about him. But we're seeing these new lines being drawn on what conservative evangelicalism is. And it doesn't have any room for me. And it probably doesn't have a room for a lot of you. Uh, even though your theology hasn't changed. Uh, even though you are very conservative on a lot of aspects of theology, they would call me a liberal. They would call you a liberal if you don't sign this document. That's what I gather. I believe that these are the new lines being drawn on what it means to be conservative. And I do believe that they're, they're going to win on that idea of saying this is what it means to be conservative. Um, because there is, there is an appeal to people who will look at this document and say, of course, the church must gather always. And anyone who would say otherwise is liberal. Like they're going to say that, but they're not thinking through the implications uh, of this document or the idea of gathering. And like, maybe there are some cases like, again, because all of us have like, you're, you're sick, you got the cold and you stay home. You didn't disobey the Lord, right? Like we have that. So there are like instances where we need to firm out, like, what does that actually mean to be obedient to the Lord on the gathering of the church? But that's where they're at. So I'm a liberal. If you don't sign this document, you're a liberal because Doug Wilson and John MacArthur have formed an alliance and it is pungent. And, uh, G3, like I, I tweeted this, um, a couple weeks ago and I stand by it. G3 is a denomination now. Like that, you're you're gonna see it in the next couple of years. Do you agree with G three guys? And that ain't a, that ain't a conference. It's not a ministry. It's a denomination of people. And if you agree with them, you're gonna be looked at as a conservative. And if you disagree with them, you're gonna be a liberal, like Tim Keller. <laughs> in what world Tim Keller is a liberal? I don't know, but that's where we're at. Um, so I think that what we see in this document is the lines being drawn on what it means to be a conservative, what it means to be a liberal right now. And it's mostly over the issue of the government and its role in the life of the church and the Christian. And, um, it takes an absolute approach and there's no wiggle room and you're not going to be able to wiggle out of it. So that that's, that's what I get out of it. But let's see what you guys have to say, um, before we get gone. Uh, let's see. Mimi says, I am in agreement with you, Dean. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Proverbs 17, 11, this document does not read like doctrine. It reads like legislation. Um, I mean, I would agree with that, but even then it's like, I don't know what some of these ideas they're talking about mean because they don't flush them out very much. 
but I guess that's what they needed to do to be able to have everyone to agree. Um, let's see. Mimi, obey your government. Getting a vaccine isn't scripture. Uh, should we then fight polio and whooping cough vaccines, right? Like it's, it's all subjective when it comes to that stuff. And I do believe that, yes, the government has a right to say, hey, you need to get this thing done. Um, what is Lakeside Chapel? What is your text for home private communion? Well, I mean, there, there are some scripture verses that you could look at of uh, whether we're just talking about having a meal there's two interpretations of like an axe when they met home to home, um, that they were having a meal. Also, um, you know, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, right? With the two disciples, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Were they doing communion? Um, but yeah, uh, but also like it's, again, it's not private. We're talking about people being able to do it together. They're just not sitting next to each other. Like, that's the thing that I think people just don't get. Like, it's not Gnosticism. Those people who say that online church is Gnosticism is ridiculous because no one's worshiping the idea of being digital. Like, no one's no one's worshiping, like, being ethereal. There's not, like, this disdain for physical. Like, that's Gnosticism. Um, but to say, okay, what does it mean to gather? That's the question. What does it mean to gather? And can you be present with people while not being physically present. And I think in this digital world, it can work. Now, I, I think that there are, like, the vast majority of platforms that try to do this that can't be done. But I think in an ideal world where you're able to really communicate with people, and it's not like the lag, and you can actually see people and interact with them, and you can talk to people, there are certain platforms that are being developed that I think that actually could work. But that's me. That's my opinion. And you guys will all shoot me for it. <laughs> I, I, I understand. Um, let's see. Uh, I actually agree with most of online church. This has all forced us to find a way to serve those who are stuck at home in new ways. Live streaming is a big part of that. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, live streaming has been a huge opportunity for the church, both in getting the gospel out to more people, uh, making it more accessible for new people to see what your church is like, and also, yes, to actually serve the shut-ins like a lot of churches just neglect. I don't put it that way. <laughs> like, not your church, Jeremy. But, like, a lot of churches, they just don't. And they'll come and visit their shut-ins once every six months, as if that's ministry, as if that's part of being the body of Christ. Um, Jennifer, uh, think of your brothers and sisters in Australia. We shut down for months and couldn't even meet in homes. Uh, I had only been a believer for one year, and my church shut down for so long. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, Jeremy, uh, would a home church count? Uh, where we rent most early, weren't most early churches, small private gatherings. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, Dean, what happens to church members that don't agree with this document? Are they excommunicated? I don't think so. Um, I don't, I don't think that, I think it's more of just ideologically, like it's probably not even going to be a thing with church members. It's going to be a thing with pastors and leaders, uh, they're going to be labeled as liberals if they don't, and probably separated from. Uh, this is a new fundamentalism where separation just comes because not because of theology, but because you drink. But because you listen to that music, because you think that 
lockdowns were okay. Like not fun, but okay. <laughs> like that's, that's where they're at. Uh, I can only imagine how hard it would have been for someone born again in Australia in 2020 with all churches shut down. But did they shut down? Like here in Canada, like no church shut down. I want, uh, like I said this last week, I want to be clear. No church shut down. Churches were still doing ministry. Were they able to meet everyone in one physical location? No, but a lot of them went online. And as I said, I believe that it can be biblical. Uh, to do your Sunday gathering online. Now, there are dangers. Sure, there are things that need to be explicitly taught to make sure people aren't being lazy. <laughs> like, I get that. There's lots of stuff, but it can work. That's what I think, at least. Um, Andrew, I am not drawing a line in the sand on COVID policies, but how are we to view Romans 13 when the way that the government exercises its power is demonstrably arbitrary and illegal. Um, you would have to show me where that's the case, Andrew. Um, like, the, like if it's illegal, it's not a good thing for the government to do. But as a Christian, we are to obey the government unless God tells us otherwise. And that's the, that's the difference between being a citizen in this world and a citizen of the kingdom. Like, as a citizen in this world, you can take you can have your day in court against the government. Um, I think it's totally in their right to do that. Like to, you know, it doesn't mean that you just roll over, but you do obey and then take them to court and you deal with consequences. But let's see. All right. Jennifer, I don't think that's that's appropriate. Tim Keller hates Australians and has no idea what we went through. I no, sorry, that's that's not accurate. <laughs> uh, no, I don't believe that Tim Keller. I don't. Did he say something? Like <laughs> what? Did, what did Tim say? I don't believe that's accurate. That's but that's the kind of thing we need to stop doing. That just because someone disagrees with someone doesn't mean they hate them. I don't think, let me be clear. I don't think these guys hate me. Like, I don't think the people I disagreed with last week hated me. I don't think these people hate me. I think they disagree with me. And I think they have a fatal, like not fatal. Uh, they have a major flaw um, in, in having politics affect their theology and their lines of separation because of politics rather than scriptural truth. I think that that's a major flaw, but I don't hate them. I'm pretty sure they don't hate me. So like we could disagree about things like it's fine and doesn't mean that, you know, you hate certain people. Um, but we need, we need to stop that rhetoric. It's, we've too much, too much of that rhetoric. And even this document, we need to tone down some of the rhetoric that's in here too, uh, specifically about the government. And it doesn't mean that government is all rainbows and butterflies, unicorns, any of that. Um, but come on, like they're not, they're not trying to enslave you. I don't think they are. And you might be like, that's naive. Well, that's my, that's my stance. It's my channel. I give my stances. And uh, if you like it, hey, hit the like button. Uh, think about subscribing to the channel. If you are new, I talk about this kind of stuff every Monday. Big plans coming. Theo Live, 
This Monday show turns one year, one whole year of me doing this thing next week. Uh, so, uh, you know, come and we'll hang out and we'll, we'll talk about something. I don't know. Something will pop up and, uh, we'll definitely discuss it, but I do have some announcements for the channel coming next week. Uh, some opportunities for you to help me, (laughs) help me make some cool stuff and, uh, definitely be on the lookout Wednesday. I'm hoping to do another stream, two streams on Wednesday, uh, doing more of like a video that's not a video it's a stream and then going into an ama kind of stream and then friday hopefully i'll be able to find my apple pencil and we'll actually be able to do bible rhythms just do a bible study with you guys so be on the lookout for all that kind of stuff i appreciate everyone who watched uh who hit the like button none of you guys who didn't no i'm just kidding Um, but i appreciate you guys being here and i will see you on wednesday